Hello, Darren Clarkson podcast. We know the drill, don't we? Whitewater kayaker, principal in here later, moved to Snowdonia. Now in Yorkshire, River Air, nice kingfishers, black caps, that sort of thing. You know what? Listen to some early podcasts and then you get a proper introduction. Right, is there a coffee on the go? It normally is. But we haven't got one today and there's not enough water in my kettle to book Put it on and make a cup of tea while I'm talking to you. You know, and if I put it on and fill it up while I'm talking to you, there'll be a load of background noise, which we know is really, really bad, especially because I use a rubbish mic. But we'll cope, won't we, kids? We'll cope, kiddos. All right, what we're we talking about today? Well, excitement, excitement. Looks like Himalayan trips are a go. So I'm excited for some personal stuff, and I'm excited for some trips with some new clients and that's going to be amazing right podcast not about flogging uh, trips but you know the drill if you want to go on one you talk about it in a different platform this is not the platform for it right what we're talking about we're going to talk about helmets why are we talk about helmets kids because i've seen some posts on social media about broken helmets and people with cut faces and i think it's important that we talk about helmets and that we're not judgmental about helmets right i could be really wrong on all this and uh, i'm all right with that and i could be really right on all this and i'm all right with that as well the best helmet on the market let's discuss it safety equipment best helmet on the market is the one that fits your bonds and when i say fits your bonds i don't mean that you know it just sits on top of your noggin with your chin strap. What chin strap? It's not a chin strap, is it? It's on your chin. It's under your chin. Anyway, with your strap tight enough that your helmet don't fall off. Now, I see loads of paddlers having that strap mega loose so they look like some Vietnam vet. You know, they're just missing a pack of fags in a strap around the top of it and a CND symbol on the side. Yeah, I've seen loads of paddlers with that strap way too loose. I reckon if you can put a finger in there, it's probably about right. A couple of fingers at the most. It's probably about right, is that? I've seen a few paddlers who can take the helmet off without undoing the strap. Now that's just wrong in it on so many levels. Right. Make sure your strap fits you and works. When should you wear a helmet all fastened and tied up? All the time. Right. Water's edge. How many paddlers take the helmet off when they scout? I've seen loads of people do it. Idiots. Right. I've seen a number of people not put the helmet on when they walk from the car to the putting and they put the helmet on at the putting. Now you're walking down probably a slippy slope with 20 odd cages of plastic on your shoulder so your balance is going to be off to cock. Right. And yet your helmet's rattling around inside your boat. Stick it on your noggin, fasten it up. If you take a slip, you'd stack it. Oh, don't bear thinking about it, does it? Don't bear thinking about But then also, how many times did your helmet rattle around in your boat or it boot your car? You know, knock, knock, knock as it bounces against the spare wheel or something. Christ. Right. Yeah, helmet. So it fits you, doesn't it? Chin strap's done properly. The actual helmet itself fits your noggin. You know? 
Is it too tight for you? Is it too loose for you? Have you got long hair or dreads? Have you got? Have you lost? Have you lost your hair? You know. Do you wear like a skull cap underneath it? Because even little bits of pressure on your helmet are going to make it uncomfortable, aren't they? Do you wear earplugs? All those sort of considerations. Right. So your helmet's fitting you, isn't it? Did you try it in, in the shop? Did you try it on in the shop? Or do you just buy it online and take a guess at how it's going to fit you? Like some sort of Amazon freak. Bet you did, didn't you? Bet you bought it online. Bet you saw a pretty colour and just went, ooh, that looks like my size, I'm a small, medium. I love that. Do you try your mate's helmets on? After they've customised it with foam and go, that fits me all right. You didn't, did you? You know, you didn't, you didn't sort of think about that. I know you, I know a lot of you. And why do I know that? Because I'm like that myself. <clears throat> right. Who remembers those ace helmets from back in the day? You probably some some canoe clubs somewhere with these ace helmets kicking about. They were like really thin plastic, you know, the sort of plastic you get in a pot noodle carton. Uh, slalom paddlers used to wear loads of them and down the races would wear them. Surf kayakers would wear them. Uh, they had like a little cradly thing inside. Yeah. Really frowned upon because they offered very little padding, very little protection. Uh, except research how many people had fatal head injuries because of those helmets probably very little uh, and after all the number that was sold and probably that's down to the fact that the people that were wearing them are actually really accomplished paddle sports people damaged racers, world class island paddles, world class surfers probably don't tend to get a great deal of head injuries right modern helmets there's loads of really good helmets on the market loads of them you don't have to buy into sort of promotion and marketing of brands. You can, like, there's a plethora and they're all good. You know, and there's like Sweet, which seem to be the industry leader. But I'm not convinced. The price really high, which makes them premium price point and seen as like the market leader. But I don't know. If they fit your head, they're probably a really good helmet. Do I wear a strutter? Yeah, of course I do. Sometimes. Is it an old one that was full of carbon? Yeah. Is it one of these new fangled plasticky ones? No. Right. Uh, rockers, Wanderers, yeah. Had them. Worn them in the past. WRSI. Worn a couple of them. Worn plasticky current ones. I think it's called a current. Like a plasticky, uh, funky colour thing. And I've worn the sort of Kevlari, Garbany, whatever it is, Trident one. Which, yeah, I had a lime green, which was really visible on camera. That's why I have a bright pink one as well, which was really good in low light conditions. And uh, now I've got an NFA, or FNA, FNA. I keep getting the words wrong. NFA, that's the National Football Association, isn't it? National Football Association. But uh, no FNA. Uh, FNA from custom from Farad. And I like it because it fits me head. I have a couple of them. They fit me bonds really well. And I, I think they're just bomb proof. But I know there's limitations to it. Okay? And I'm, I'm okay with that. 
and I understand the limitations to it. You know, I understand it's not got a kite mark on it. And I understand that, you know, the padding and the internals are not maybe as solid as something like a sweet. They're probably as solid as some like one of the other brands, but they're not as solid as a sweet. I mean, I've worn Shred Reddy's helmets with their hog system. They had a hog system that held the helmet in place. Quite like the Shred Reddy helmets. Very good. Palm Shruck, again. Very, is it a Shruck? Sure it is. Really nice looking helmet. Right. Back in the day. And I say back in the day. It's not that long ago. Protex. Protex were the go-to helmet. Every bugger had one. Whether you had one that covered your ears or one that came over your ears. Most paddlers had one at some point. You know? We had stick-on, oh, let's say we. I had a stick-on Velcro visor on mine. Still do, in fact, on a black one that's sitting in a bag in Kathmandu. It's got a yellow visor on the front. Keep the sun out of my eyes. Why do I wear a Pertec and not a posh car or any Kevlar thing? Well, I'm paddling deep water, Himalayas, and my helmet goes in my kit bag in my boat and rattles around on roofs and buses. Uh, so I thought I'd take the mitigation on that. And the fact that I might not bang my head. Uh, I've got a sweet rocker. I think it's a rocker. Could be something else. It's a sweet anyway. And that's got a stick-on visor on as well. Because I don't like these big solid plastic visors that make you look like a motocross rider or a down-on mountain biker. That's sweet, I've. Uh, principally because I keep catching my wrist on them when I'm doing stupid strokes. And uh, I also don't like the bucket effect that you get when you're upside down. And I know, all right, I know the sweet big visor moves back and it's got vents in it so that it doesn't scoop as much water up. But a, a strutter scoops massive amounts of water up if you're upside down. Huge amount. Uh, most helmets that have got visors, beaks, peaks, whatever we call it, on will scoop water when you're upside down. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? It's like how physics and hydrology works. Right, now, visors on helmets. Foam visors. Bob on. Carve one yourself out of mini cell. Stick it on your helmet. Tip top. Velcro visor. Good for sun. Not a great deal of protection when you would want an air pocket and if you get pinned. But mitigation, how many times you're going to get pinned in those situations. Okay, sweet strutter. Probably for a really good air pocket if you get pinned. Yeah, probably. Uh, if you flip onto your back deck in a back loop, Will that visor protect your face from rocks? No, of course not. Run your back deck upside down. Your nose is, and your chin are going to hit the rocks before your visor does. And then the rock will probably take the top of your visor off. You know? Uh, and especially if you've got a load of force behind it, you'll probably get a bit of helmet moving backwards on your head. And you might cut your eyebrow with a rock anyway. Loads to think about on helmets. Loads. Uh, don't just buy ones that are cool. Look cool. I mean, let's be honest, kayaking is not a cool sport. You know. I mean, my helmet is pretty cool because it's got flames on the front full of glitter. But, it ain't that cool. You know, in the grand scheme of things, it ain't that cool. So, I've got, I could wax lyrical about all these different... I've, the amount of people with head injuries I've seen, you know, with a variety of helmets... It's massive. But if you're going to mix, you know, water and rocks, 
somebody's going to bang the Swede out there and somebody's going to cut the face open. People break the noses. People break the noses off the cockpit rims. You know, that happens loads. Well, say loads, it happens more than you'd expect. What I am saying is, there's only one element I really wouldn't buy, and that is, I don't know if they still make it. It's, I think Yak Adam, an artistic maybe Adam. Uh, they look like Crichton's head. Do you remember Crichton from Red Dwarf? Yeah, they look like his head. And uh, you could like hold it and squash it. It was quite malleable as a helmet. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't buy one of them because they're rubbish. But the rest of the helmets on the market seem pretty good. So as long as they fit you, they're probably all right. But since we're talking about helmets, can we talk about buoyancy aids as well? Bit of safety. Why do people buy buoyancy aids with harnesses on if they're not confident about using harnesses? <sighs> if your mate's getting a trolley in, in a hole and you've got, and you, I do want to life bait them out, that's the question you've got to ask yourself, I think. Because if you get a harness on, it's sort of really easy for someone to clip you in and you dive in and get them. Is that what you want? You know, is that what you want? Because that's one use for the harness, isn't it? The harness is not there to hold the buoyancy in onto your torso. Other straps will do that. The harness is not there to tow boats like a tow tether. Although our American cousins will tell us otherwise. Hence why American harnesses sit a bit lower than the British harness. The British European harness. You know, do you need the harness? I can honestly count the amount of times in over 20 years, 30 years maybe, I'm going to start paddling. Yeah, 30 years. The amount of times in 30 years that I've used my harness in anger. So do you need your harness? Are you ever going to need your harness? Are you buying a product that you're, you go on a safety course and you learn how to use a harness because you borrow one off a provider. And then you go and buy it. And then after about six months, you're like, actually, I don't have the nerves anymore. I don't have the ability. I don't have the training to be using this harness. I see loads of people fastening the harnesses wrong. You know, I just do. And I have people, I've, I've seen people in the past, and I was one of them, that have carabiners. Screw, not even like screw get carabiners, like wire get carabiners clipped into the back of a harness. And they lean back in the boat and it clips onto a safety bar or something and they get sort of pinned on their own boat with stupidity. So the harness is on buoyancy aids. When you buy one, if you're buying a buoyancy aid with a harness, ask yourself if you need the harness. Ask yourself if it's a purchase that you're buying for a long term goal that you're going to be using it one day after you're never going to use it if you're never going to use it you probably don't need it there's plenty of bonus seeds on the market that don't have harnesses ask yourself about your pockets and your bonus seeds can your pocket hold everything you need for your day i had this discussion recently with somebody and they they were saying in their pocket they carry a waterproof uh Phone, the phone in a waterproof case, the sling, a couple of carabiners, pulleys, chocolate bars, whistle. 
Uh, what else did they have in the pocket? Uh, waterproof notepad, pencil. There was loads of stuff in the pocket. It was like insane the amount of stuff that was in the pocket. Now, some of that stuff does need to stay in the pocket. You know, like your, your sling, uh, tape, whatever you want to call it. Probably won't stay in your pocket. Your knife won't stay in your pocket. Your phone, if you carry a phone, which you should, needs to stay in your pocket. Why does your phone need to stay in your pocket, Mr. Darren? Well, if it's in your boat and your boat goes missing and floats off down the river, you ain't getting your phone, are you? Now, if you've got Find My Phone app, you could probably find your boat. But, and it is a big but, it's unlikely, isn't it? You know, it's unlikely there and then on the riverbank when you really need to phone somebody that you're going to be able to find your boat and your phone. You need to have your phone in your pocket. There's times when you don't. There's times when I carry my phone between my legs in a dry bag. Again, risk mitigation. Boring shades. Right, make, make sure they fit. I'm not even going to go into this loads. Make sure they fit. Make sure the stitching's good. I had a boring shade once. I'm going to give them from a European brand. I'm not going to name the names. And as I took it off over my head after a day's paddling, I tore the shoulder straps out of it. That's a bit shit, isn't it? So make sure it fits. Right? They've got to fit. Simple. The pockets have got to be big enough for what you need. Harness, yes or no. Make a choice. No discussion there. One thing that people don't consider with bonus shades is when you carry your boat on your shoulder. Right? Where does that adjustment buckle sit? Because some of those adjustment buckles sit a bit higher on your shoulder than you think. And they end up digging into your clavicle when you've got a boat on your shoulder. So just be aware of that. Right, helmet buoyancy, done. Throw line, right, we're going to do a safety kit. Throw line. Right, it's got to be practical for what you want, hasn't it? Now, I really like a little weasel. I love a little weasel. HF bag. Love it. Is it practical for all applications? No. It comes in black for a start off. So get rid of the black and get a red one or a yellow one. It's got a big handle on the bottom. So you need to sort that out. Take the handle off. Don't want that. Make it really small. It's got flat rope in it as well, if I remember. See, so that's probably not the best for putting uh, prussics on. It's a dunk grip as well. But as a catch bag, awesome. And you can chuck them. Right, green slime throw bags, massive, huge, great big heavy things. But the rope's really good in them. Palm rope's really good, peak rope's really good. HF do a Syntec rope, that's amazing. American brands have got really thin rope, <coughs> it's like cheese wire. Right, so you've got a choice, you can use this one, because they actually throw really well. And if you're a swimmer catching them, you're going to cut your hands to bits quite often. But they do chuck really well, so the chance of it in your target is higher. I imagine, than chucking a really heavy bag with heavy rope in. But that's just my personal view on it. Where do you keep your throw bag? Is it in your boat between your legs? Is it behind your backrest? Some people wear uh, throw lines around their waist. Oh, dear me. Right. There's a time and a place wearing throw bags around your waist, right? There is. There really is. But not all the time. I know somebody that broke the back because of a fur line around the waist on steep stuff. They ran a waterfall, they did a booth, they landed flat and the fur bag got trapped between the cockpit rim and their lower vertebrae and it broke the back. 
So, not the best place in the world to carry a throw line. But, you know, risk mitigation. It's all about risk mitigation, you know. Pros and cons. If you got to write a list of a cup of tea, write a list of a cup of tea. You know, where do you want to put your throw line? All that stuff. Right, shoes. Let's get on to shoes. They're safety kit. People say they're not, but they are. They really are. Right, not this messing about in Crocs and wetsuit socks. Not having it. Get a good set of shoes. Right, if you're in a slimline boat, player boat, slimline slalomy type boat, you're probably wearing some sort of booty. Right, have they got a decent enough sole in for your environment? Yeah, I know mine have, but have yours. Can you walk down slippy rocks and slippy banks in those shoes? If the answer is yes, then they're probably all right. If you're going to stack it, walking around in wet stuff, they're probably not all right, and you probably need some others. Right, are you wearing shoes, proper shoes, shoe boots, in your creaker? Astral do them. Uh, Pam do some. Adidas gazelles fit. You know, high-tech trail walking boots work, you know. Innovate running shoes work. What are you wearing in your in your creakers, river runners? Are your laces dangly dangly? Or are they all tucked in nice and neat? Do they drain? Do they not drain? Have they got enough grip? Have they not got enough grip? When you get in and out of your boat, do you catch your heel and it sort of takes your shoe half off? Yeah, I've seen people do that, loose shoes. Best pair of river shoes I ever had was a set of Adidas Gazelles. Found them in a bin. They were brilliant. They were great on wet rock. I had a set of uh, skate shoes as well, Vans. Vans were really good on uh, on wet rock. Really enjoyed my Vans. And uh, NRS do a pair as well. That's just another pair of, uh, I can recommend. Should you wear sports sandals, open-toed shoes? for kayaking I'm going to say no and then I'm going to show you a picture probably at some point I mean an open toed open toed sandal paddling uh, no if you take a swim you're going to hurt your toes aren't you but it's really tempting in uh, hot environments with sandy beaches and deep water so risk mitigation yeah it's probably going to be alright in those situations you know paddling something like the fairy glen in a set of teavers probably not you know but again you're cold not here to tell you the right and wrong of it, am I? You know? Right. I want to finish this now because I'm just going on a listing kit and telling you to risk mitigate. That's what it's all about, risk mitigation. You know? If you paddle rivers long enough, you're going to get hurt. Everyone does. You know, whether you scuff your knuckles, whether you crack a helmet. I've cracked loads of helmets in my time. You know? Whether you tw hurt your ankle, stub your toe, it's going to happen. Whether you slip on the bank, you know, and bang your elbow. Whether you have somebody paddling downriver Mach 8 while you're sideways, side surfing a wave or something. They're paddling Mach 8 and they jam the boat into your head. I've seen that loads, haven't we? Eight ball races at paddle events. see it loads. People just getting annihilated. So at some point you might get a little bit hurt because it's, you know, without overkill risk mitigation, do it loads and loads, you're going to get 
so at some point there's some, something's going to happen, you're going to slip or fall or whatever. But pack the, make you make sure your helmet fits, gang. You know, try not to buy a, have a white one if you want. It's principally white foamy stuff. No one can see you. Similarly, if you paddle on dark PT water, you probably don't want a brown one or a black one. But if you've got a bright crag and a bright point seed, you mitigate against it, don't you? You know, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about that kind of stuff. Sit down, have a think. Don't just buy it because it's cheap. The last one in the shop or any of that rubbish. Right, I've talked for you. You're going to ask me some questions. I know you are. You can bang them in Podbean. You can bang them on socials. I will talk about them because I like talking about stuff. Obviously, if I didn't like talking about stuff, I wouldn't have a podcast of my own, would I? You know? Anyway, termite. You know, a little termite goes into a pub and he asks, Where's the bartender? Boom! And on that note, I'm going. Have a cracking day.